Clap, clap your hands and stomp your feet. You're listening. You're listening to the Clap Your Hands podcast, hosted by Elliot Shore Parks and Kyle Newbeck. Here they come. James Harden, man, like, what in the world was that from James Harden? I, I, I can accept if you're gonna miss a ton of shots, it is like it's a, it's a make or miss league. If you are going to just have an off night, whatever. But those games where it just looks like you just want to almost take them and like shake them and be like, bro, let's go. Like, come on, let's go. This is an important game. He just looked checked out. He played poorly. And as you put it perfectly, and as the title says, James Harden turned into Ben Simmons last night. Yeah, it's just one of those games where, look, I, I think he w- he didn't have the same really downhill attacking mentality early, but he at least was you know trying to get his. He's trying to score in some form or fashion. A little too much grifting and foul baiting and things like yeah. that. But all right, it's like, you know, he can adjust to this. This is not an unsalvageable game. And then I don't know exactly when it started. Let's say midway through the second quarter, maybe a few minutes into the second quarter. He started running pick and rolls with Joel Embiid, and he would get to the paint. And Al Horford is dropping and dropping and dropping. And James has shots that he can take from mid-range or even layups in some instances as the game goes on. And his head is no, he's like yep. looking down here, head to the floor, head to the corner, wherever it is. And it was staggering to watch him just look so shook out there. Like that's the only way I can describe it is he looked scared to try to attack. And look, for whatever flaws James Harden has as a player. You don't see that that often. We've seen some stinkers in terms of misses a lot of shots, lots of turnovers, which I believe he had five of those last night (laughs) to add on top of uh, this poor performance. But he was just so indecisive and slow and timid that that has a trickle-down effect on everybody else because uh, as we've talked about with Ben Simmons a thousand times in Philadelphia – as we're seeing in that game with James Harden, when the guy who's running the offense is that passive and just uninterested in attacking the basket, it makes it much, much harder for everybody else on the team. You're not getting into your sets as quickly. The, the, the trickle-down effect is just enormous. And it, I cannot believe that just – how many days? Four days after game one where James Harden comes out and scores 45 points and it's just absolutely nuking every coverage the Celtics are throwing at him. We're talking about a guy who looked like he had a just complete mental breakdown on the floor on Friday night. Yeah, and it literally feels like we're recording a pod after uh, one of their games against the Hawks a few years ago. Like that description you said. I mean, there are some differences. He shoots threes. That's part of it, right? He is he actually shoots. Ben Simmons, for what it's worth, literally didn't shoot in that series. But at the end of the day, you're right. I mean, just watching him drive into the paint with no intention of scoring. Like the second he gets in there, you can see he's looking to the corners for three. Or frankly, he just dribbles back out, right? It's exactly what Ben used to do. It's exactly what we used to criticize Ben for. The going into paint, jumping in the air, and figuring out what you're going to do once you get there in terms of you know trying to get it out for threes. And were there times where he got good, that his teammates got good looks because of those threes last night? Yeah, there were. 
But at the end of the day, it felt like at in the beginning, and we'll get into the MVP thing because I do think I have a lot of opinions on that. But I do think early on, it felt like the whole offense was either Joel doing something amazing or you're counting on McDaniels or Melton or Tucker to make a corner three. And look, I get that those are good shots and I get they didn't get enough threes up in game two. But at the end of the day, you don't, and we've said this throughout the pod, we whatever, you don't trade for James Harden so that he can just do what Ben Simmons did. It Like that point blank period, because at least Ben played defense, right? Like Harden's not giving you anything on that end. But no, I agree. I mean, he just, it's the worst version of James Harden. It's the passive version. But why do you think this is happening? Why? Like why? It, 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 is it physical? Is it because it's the, you know, the, the schedule of not having two days off in between games? Because uh, it doesn't look physical to me. It looks just like a, a unwillingness to kind of play the game he played in game one. I mean, I know he spoke to reporters last night. He did the whole, well, it's, I know I'm making a smart basketball play, which also had a lot of uh, Ben Simmons ish qualities to that quote. Uh, <laughs> why, why, what, like, why do you think it's happening? Please watch. So, I, mean, I don't know. I don't know how else to ask it. So speaking of that, there were maybe I wasn't even in the locker room when Harden talked mm-hmm. because that was in the middle of Joel's press conference. Yeah, and I think that was if they didn't plan it that way, then oh, it's intentional. Joel just like really unintentionally took about fifteen bullets for James Harden after that absolute disaster of a game. Yeah, and you know. Great leadership from Joel on that front. Um, I do think some of it is probably physical. Not all of it, but at least some of it. We're not seeing him show the extra gear, beating guys off the dribble. Like Most of the time when he was getting to the paint, it was more because Boston kind of conceded it. They're just saying, here, you can keep taking this space. They figured out that he didn't really want to attack them for much of that game and you know, ended up being a winning gambit for them. Um, certainly though, a big part of it is mental. Like that game is why there are so many people who just do not believe in James Harden as a playoff guy. Why we've had these conversations all season that he's having a great bounce back year, but he's got to do it in the playoffs and that's what matters. And this is a legacy year and things like of that nature. Cause this guy in big moments has done this before. This is yeah. not the first time. Maybe stylistically it's a little different where, you know, we saw it last year, Miami game six, he was very checked out of that game, but I didn't think that was like him getting to the paint and, and not looking at the rim. That was just him being uninvolved on offense right. as a, you know, a, a, on a general level. So this is almost a new level for Harden in terms of stinking it up in the playoffs. And nice, nice. there's a lot of conversation after the game amongst fans anyway, to the extent of <laughs> why are we going to pay this guy in the yeah. offseason? Talking about the team. And look, like I can't really blame people after a performance like that. You, if, if he can only give you one... And it was an A, A-plus game from Harden in game one. That's absolutely true. He was amazing. Stole them that game. But if you get that, and then the rest of the series is like F, F-minus level basketball, which is what that is, what the fuck is the point of keeping and paying this guy? He'll be making, like, you give him a max, he's going to be making like $60 million in yeah. a few years. You want to pay that guy that kind of money, knowing that this kind of performance is uh, is possible for him? 
I wouldn't if I was running a team. So I get why people want to go there. And look, he is – it's why as much as I dismiss the Vegas thing and obviously it didn't impact him in game one, it's why he's never going to get the benefit of the doubt in those yeah. situations because people always feel like the trap door is going to open, that he gives you a good performance and then the next game he just might be completely missing. He doesn't show up when it matters. And like, here's the worst part. There are a bunch of guys on the Celtics, maybe not as important to the Celtics as Harden is to the Sixers. But a guy like Marcus Smart shoots five for 15 in that game. Him trying to attack at any point for Boston was essentially a win for the Sixers. Like You would have taken that mm-hmm. every single time. Unfortunately for the Sixers, fortunately for Boston, Marcus Smart is capable of making plays in other ways and impacting the game in other ways. He's taking charges. He's getting offensive rebounds. He's playing tough defense on somebody. When James Harden isn't good on offense, he has fucking nothing to offer. He he not only is a bad defender, he's an apathetic defender. Yeah. And he's an apathetic rebounder. And he just does not care to put himself and his team in positions to try to win games through that way. And so that's the, the most infuriating thing about I can live with guys having, you know, weird moments and bad shooting efforts and whatever, but there's no conscious effort or choice made to try to correct it in another way. There never has been. And look, this deep in his career, I think it's safe to say there never will be. Unless James Harden is a great offensive player, he does not bring anything to the table, period. So so that was frustratingly perfectly said in the way that it's not what you want to hear after game three. And I think that is what kind of my biggest emotional takeaway from the game was last night is just, you know, I'm down there, you know, the, the stadium, the Phillies are playing the Red Sox. It's like a beautiful day. Everyone's so excited. Joel's getting his MVP. It feels like this is going to be different. James had a great game one. Joel wasn't great in game two, but he got his rust out. And just to take all that, And then to, you know, five, six minutes into the game to just have that feeling of, oh my God, here we go again. Like this is that exact feeling like all, all season, all the first round of the playoffs, the first round of Boston. I mean, the first game against Boston, it was no guys, this is going to be different. I promise you this team's different. They try hard. They make comebacks. They shoot threes. Joel's better. James is playing great. All this stuff. It just felt like it completely popped and went up in the air. And all of a sudden that all too familiar feeling of just like complete lack of faith. I mean, I I bring it up on the pod often, but I think it's just so telling in this. I'm checking the live odds during the game. The Celtics were minus 900 to win in the second half when they were up eight points. Nobody had faith they were going to win that game. Nobody. Like, we can all pretend, uh, you know, like Sixers fans and say, no, they were only down eight. Maybe they'll come back. And I do think there were three or four moments where they get it to four or six and the Celtics get a loose ball or the Celtics get an offensive rebound or Harden had this like horrendous. They had it down to two. Harden misses a three-pointer. They score on the other end. Harden comes back. He misses a jumper. They get on the other end and he fouls Jalen Brown for an and one. And it's like, that's it. The game's over. So we can all sit here and and say, yeah, they had a chance. And you know what? Like the Celtics are one of the best, if not the best team in the league. And and if this was the NBA finals, we'd feel different. But the reality is it is the second round. And that's the matchup that they drew. And 
just seeing it be, you know, minus 900, minus 800. It just, it's a complete punch in the gut of nobody believes this team is going to do it. Nobody does. And that's what I think the worst part about last night was it was, yes, James was bad. And yes, like, you know, the role players, you know, didn't do much. And I think Maxi is getting shit is getting some coverage by Harden here because he was not good. Right. And he's someone that might get a max deal, but just the biggest part is how excited fans were and just the ultimate quick deflating feeling of Jesus Christ, man, it's happening again. Yeah. So a couple things coming out of that, I I've gotten lots of tweets and some emails from readers where essentially they said, you put a lot of blame on James Harden, but you know, this guy was bad and this guy was bad and this guy was bad and putting like centralizing Harden in this story is not saying he's the only guy who played bad, right? To your point, the other two guys, one who's making a ton of money currently, the other is going to be making a ton of money uh, in the near future in Harris and Maxi. Those guys gave you essentially nothing in that game. Yeah. Like, Tobias Harris is in foul trouble, had seven points on six shots, was just bad and irrelevant for most of the game. Yeah. Tyrese Maxey was the other way where he took way too many shots, missed the open ones he had, and then he's trying to score over three people in the paint, taking these ridiculous runners and floaters that recycle the ball, make the easy pass, make the plays that Boston made all night where guys are collapsing the defense and then with multiple people on them, they're just finding the open shooter, whoever that is, and trusting that somebody else is going to make a play. But the reason that James Harden is the headline and the story is because this guy is a first ballot hall of famer James Harden, like, what top, top yeah. 75 player of all time yeah. former mvp scored 45 fucking points in game one i have i have you have we all collectively have much higher expectations for james harden than tobias harris like we can't do anything. The Sixers right. can't do anything. The fan base can't do anything about how much money Tobias Harris makes at this point. That's been set in stone for a long, long time. But James Harden is a star player. The entire reason you even build a roster around multiple stars is because you know the other guys are going to have down nights in the playoffs. Like It just happens. That's how it goes. Role players are role players for a reason. And that effect is compounded in these games where the pressure is up, the opponent is better, the shot quality is lower, so on and so forth. So absolutely, Tobias, bad. Tyrese, bad. Almost everybody in the rotation, bad, except for Joel Embiid, quite frankly. PJ was okay. Melton was okay. I mean, frankly, fucking George Niang, who... 75% of the fan base doesn't want to play and should be out of the rotation was one of their only guys who had a chance to score in the second half last night. So like when you're in that position, what the hell is any James Harden has to take you home or help take you home with Joel Embiid. And he was a no show in that game. Well, and you know, I think there's such an important distinction to make. Nobody is saying that James Harden has to be game one James Harden. He does not have to score 45 points, but he cannot be this James Harden. Like, yes, other people have to step up if uh, step up if Harden's not playing well. And 
frankly, I'm so over the complaining about Tobias Harris. Like he is what he is. He's the fourth option on the team to all of a sudden ask him to step up and make up for James Harden play is frankly unfair at this point. He's not been asked to do it all year. It is what it is, whatever. Right. But ultimately if, if, if Harden's going to give you a C level game, then maybe you can point and go, all right, Maxi, you need to be a little bit better or other guys have to step up. But if Harden is giving you an F level game, I mean, it's, to make a football analogy, it's like if the offensive line is playing poorly, I can't sit here and blame A.J. Brown. Like at the end of the day, James Harden is – Joel's the center of the team. Joel's the best player. But James Harden is such an integral piece of making the machine go that if it's functioning at such a poor level, it's hard for anybody else to play well because the whole thing is so disjointed. And that's what I think stood out last night too. And I'll blame Doc for this. Like they they looked bad on defense early on. The Celtics were getting whatever shots they wanted, wide open three-pointers. And on offense, it looks like they've completely forgotten how they played all season. I know Joel missed two games, but they looked disjointed in game two. I think that early on in game one, I, I feel like they've lost their identity. I, I don't even know what they're trying to accomplish on offense. And that's not all on Doc. That is absolutely on Harden and the players too. But if I'm going to praise Doc for the team trying hard and you know all these things, they looked awful last night. They came out last night and looked awful right away. So ultimately, you know, it's it's everybody, but it's it's Doc too. I mean, the the whole thing was just a complete disaster.